Yo, this is the ancient Texan. I want you to imagine a story with me. There's a grandfather sitting in Florida. He's come to America to build his business and make a family for himself and his wife. And he hopes his children and grandchildren one day. But his granddaughter in the West Bank has just had a a new granddaughter and he'd like to go see her and he'd like to join with his wife who's on the West Bank and together go and meet his new granddaughter who's in the Gaza Strip one month old well if this is an Israeli citizen it's all doable back It's their right as an Israeli citizen. But if this woman is a, this man is a Palestinian, he has to apply for right for a stamp permission by the Israelis to come back. His wife on the West Bank, if she goes to Gaza, since it's a downgrade in citizenship, to see her daughter and her granddaughter will probably not be allowed back into the West Bank. Her daughter cannot come from Gaza to the West Bank. That's not allowed. The grandfather, if he does get permission, which is unlikely because Palestinians are generally not allowed to go back if they've been gone too long, they're not allowed back in. Just because they have relatives there, they're not allowed to go back to them. So the daughter, when she goes to Gaza, will be going to an area that's uh, military occupation. And she makes her way through checkpoints in West Point. She'll have to have papers allowing her to go through each checkpoint and travel to Gaza. It may take her several years to get the paperwork. So her daughter may be three or four before she gets to see him. The husband is the grandpa in Florida is probably not 
going to be successful. He's not going to be the rare exception that gets back in. When she gets to the Gaza, she finds her daughter lives in a facility that's been constructed without a permit because they don't give, they give out very few permits and there's a whole lot of people in Gaza and there's very little land left for them to build on. So when she gets there, she may find that the house they just built is torn down by the Israelis because they had no permit. Of course, they can't get a permit. So imagine the life of the Palestinians. Grandfather want to go see his granddaughter and knowing that it's not his right the grandmother being allowed to travel one way from her home on the West Bank with permission through checkpoints. But once in Gaza, you're not allowed to come back. That's life for the Palestinians. Can't immigrate. You can't leave. You can go down in classification from one region to another, but you can't go up. There's five different levels of, I don't even know if you can call it citizenship. There's five different levels of residence. The Gaza people have like zip rights. And as you go up, there's even a one called a uh, resident for Palestinians, but it's not a full residency for, for those that are born and raised in the sovereign territory of Israel. So this is um, their life. Now, if grandma wants to leave and come see grandpa in Florida, she might be able to sneak out to Jordan or over to Egypt and fly uh, with a false passport to see her husband in Florida. It's risky, costs a lot of money. There's no guarantees that you won't be turned back. So, this is the life of a Palestinian. And I think as you listen to the rest of this uh, and listen to the source that I've found, this is an, an accurate description of apartheid in Israel and the territory they control and have controlled. This is not a temporary situation. These, these rules have got tougher and tougher. Uh, and a lot of law changes have been made to reinforce what has been evolving over 70 years. And it's evolving in the directions that Palestinians have less and less. And Israelis take more and more. Lincoln, I think the way you say his name, 
that just got to be Secretary of State for the Democrats, fully supports the Israel Israeli government. He had answered questions from the Democrat on his confirmation that were very much positive. Israel, no exceptions. They do have this one fantasy that there's going to be a two-state solution. That, that, that fantasy is actually 75 years old. It's a fantasy. It's bullshit. There's no truth to it. It's never going to happen. The laws have actually that they have in place right now are very much incompatible with a two-state solution. What's left on the table is a one-state solution with people that are citizens and have full rights and then other five layers of people that do not have full citizenship, even any kind of rights at the bottom of that spectrum. We're going to go into the details of that but that's what our country supports. That's what the Democratic Party supports. That's what the Republican Party supports. It is some ways much more severe than the apartheid that was in South Africa, which did not last as long. So this is the details of the laws and regulations of what keeps a grandma on the West Bank and a grandpa in Florida from seeing their granddaughter on the Gaza Strip and keeps the granddaughter's mom from having a place to live. And we as Americans support this condition. It's not quite as bad as the Uyghurs in China, but it's not much different, especially if you live in the Gaza Strip. Anyway, if you want to know about the details, it's a little more boring than the story, I've got to admit. Um, but I think it's worth speaking out about. It just, it's not consistent with my values. How about yours? Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. Last podcast was about an article. The article is called A Regime of Jewish Supremacy from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. This is Apartheid. It's written by the Israeli Information Center for Human Rights in the Occupied Territories. It's well written. I think... uh, It's worth reading, and I find it um, disappointing that we support what I very much think is apartheid. Not identical to South African apartheid, but um, still with its sinister trading of one people superior to another. The entire area between the Mediterranean Sea and Jordan Sea 
the Israeli regime implements laws, practices, and state violence designed to cement the supremacy of one group, Jews, over another, Palestinians. A key method in pursuing this goal is engineering space differently for each group. This is on a section that's called Divide, Separate, and Rule. Jewish citizens live as though the entire area were a single space with the exclusion of the Gaza Strip, which is considered too dangerous. So, it's like saying um, Israelis can move between, you know, New Jersey and Maryland and Pennsylvania and West Virginia, kind of states that are contiguous to each other, although much smaller than the states I've mentioned. While we'll find out that the Palestinians can't. And how little or how much they can move depends on their geographic area that they're designated to. Palestinians who live on land defined in 1948 as Israeli sovereign territory are Israeli citizen and make up 17% of the state's citizenry. It affords them many rights, but they do not enjoy the same right as a Jewish citizen by either law or practice, as will be discussed later. 35, 350,000 Palestinians live in East Jerusalem. Um, and they're considered permanent residents. Permanent residence, unlike citizenship, may re be revoked at any time and the complete discretion of the Ministry of the Interior. In certain circumstances, it can also expire. It's not a right. They let some people be residents, but it's at permission of and at the whim of Israelis. Now for the West Bank. 2.6 million Palestinians live there in dozens of disconnected enclaves, 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 under rigid military rule and without political rights. In about 40% of the territory, Israel has transferred some civilian powers to the Palestinian Authority. However, the PA is still subordinate to Israel and can only exercise its limited power with Israel's consent. The Gaza Strip is home to about 2 million Palestinians. It's also denied political rights or the people there. Um, in a, is, Israel has a blockade on the Gaza Strip that is still in place. And they control every aspect of life in Gaza mainly from the outside, but military force is often used. Israelis uh, give Palestinians in these different uh, areas a different set of rights. Each one is um, 
inferior to the rights given to the Jewish citizens. The goal of Jewish supremacy is advanced differently in each unit and the resulting forms of injustice differ. The lived experience of Palestinians in blockade Gaza is unlike that of Palestinian subjects in the West Bank, permanent residents in East Jerusalem or Palestinian citizens within the sovereign territory. And Jews in the same areas are not do not have their rights uh, restricted because they live in the area. There's four main methods and uh, how their rights are restricted. Israel has sole power over population registry, land allocation, voter rolls, and the right or denial to travel, enter or exit any part of the area. So the Jews are the cattle keepers. They determine which gates are open and closed and which cattle can go through. Any Jew in the world and his or her children, grandchildren and spouses are able to immigrate to Israel at any time and receive Israeli citizenship with all the associated rights. I didn't know that. If you're a Jew, I don't know how you prove that you're a Jew. They receive this status even if they choose to live in a West Bank settlement not formally annexed to Israeli's sovereign territory. So if you're a Jew, you can take off and live on the West Bank and get full full rights. In contrast, non-Jews have no right to legal status in Israeli-controlled areas. The Minister of the Interior, or the military commander, um, reserves this right. Palestinians living in other countries cannot immigrate to the area between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River, even if they, their parents, or grandparents were born and lived there. Wow. Kind of reminds us of uh, what happens at our southern border, where you take a, a kid that's born here and you send their parents back home. I have the same opinion about both of those. Palestinians can immigrate to controlled area by Israel. Uh, The only way you can, the exception to this, if you marry a Palestinian who already lives there and you meet a a set of other conditions and you get Israelis' approval, then you can move there. Israeli not only hampers Palestinian immigration, but also impedes Palestinian relocation between the units. If they move, in the perception of the regime, would upgrade their status. In other words, you can you can um, 
go down the status. Like if you want to go to Gaza, you can go there because that's moving down the, the rank of rights. But you can't go up upstream. There's a lot more details in this article about that, but that's my basic uh, understanding. For the for years, the regime has placed numerous obstacles before families in which each spouse lives in different geographical er- units. Over time, this has impeded and often prevented Palestinians marrying a Palestinian in another unit from acquiring status in that unit. As a result of this policy, tens of thousands of families have been unable to live together. Wow. Sounds pretty bad to me. You're married to someone and and you don't have the rights to live with your mate. And the Jews are the ones doing it. Preventing you from marrying. If one spouse is a resident of the Gaza Strip, Israel allows the families to live there together. But if the other spouse is a resident of the West Bank, Israeli demands they relocate permanently to Gaza. In 2003, the Net Set passed a temporary order, which is still in effect, banning the issuance of Israeli citizenship or permanent residency to Palestinians from the occupied terries, ter- territories who, ma- who marry Israelis, unlike citizens of other countries. If you're Palestinian and you Israeli, you're basically screwed. You don't get to live with your mate. That should make some Israelis unhappy. In exceptional cases, the Ministry of the Interior, Palestinians from the West Bank who marry Israelis may be granted status in Israel, yet it is only temporary and does not entitle them to social benefits. Well, so there's more details on this, and it's all very depressing, but it's basically saying Israel controls who, which cattle go through the turned styles and go into which area and in which direction. Palestinians being the cattle and the Jews being the cattlemen. Here's the second way that apartheid works. Jews um, take over area. And the occupied territories develop and extend, expand existing Jewish communities and build new ones while Palestinians are dispossessed and corralled into smaller crowded enclaves. You round up the cattle and you push them into a smaller box and you take over where they used to live and let your cattle graze there. It's been going on since 1967. 
In 2018, the underlying principle was entrenched in basic law. Israel, the nation-state of the Jewish people, which stipulates that the state considers the development of Jewish settlements a national value and will take action to encourage and promote the establishment and reinforcement of such settlements. Basically, it's the law. You are cattle and you're moved to where we want you to move. Inside the sovereign territory, Israel has enacted discriminatory laws, most notably the absentee property law, which allows it to expropriate vast tracts of Palestinian-owned land, including millions of dune in communities where residents were expelled or fled in 1948 and were barred from returning. In other words, it keeps Palestinians from returning to their space and then allows, because they don't return to their space, Israeli to take it. Get this. Israel has significantly reduced the areas designated for Palestinian local councils and communities, which now have access to less than 3% of the country's total area. Most of the designated land is already saturated with construction. As a result, more than 90% of the land in Israeli's sovereign territory is now under state control. Israel has used this to build hundreds of communities for Jewish citizens, yet not a single one for Palestinians. And what happens, there's no space for Palestinians, so if they do build something, they can't get a permit to build it, and then the Israelis are free to turn it down, to knock it down. Cattle, you can live in the street. They can also um, reject Palestinian applications to build in communities because of cultural incompatibility. So this basically means if you're Palestinian, you can't live in a Jewish community because you're culturally incompatible. Your cattle, you are not a Jew. Your cattle and yours incompatible with us Jews is what I read. West Bank is pretty much the same condition. Um, all settlements there are military zones that Palestinians are forbidding forbidden to enter without a permit. So far, Israel has established 280 settlements on the West Bank, including those in East Jerusalem, which are now home to 600,000 Jews. A lot more land has been taken to build roads in these areas. There's a separate planning system for Palestinians in the West Bank, which is designed to prevent construction and development.
a lot of the land has been zoned as not for construction. They're very hard on giving out permits to build and then tear, tear, tear down structures that are built without permits. And of course, the Israelis control the permits. Access to the watering trough is controlled by the Jews. Another way they do apartheid, enforce it, is they restrict Palestinian freedom of movement. Jews, again, go anywhere they want to, um, can enter and leave, blah, blah, blah. Contrast uh, Israeli citizens that are residents, if they leave and stay gone too long, it can revoke their status as uh, residents. Israeli routine restricts the movement of Palestinians in the occupied territories and generally forbids them from moving between the units. Palestinians from the West Bank who wish to enter Israel, East Jerusalem, or the Gaza Strip must apply to Israeli authorities. Uh, in the Gaza Strip, which has been blockaded to, since 2007, the entire population is imprisoned as Israeli forbids almost any movement in or out, except in rare cases it defines as humanitarian. Palestinians who wish to leave Gaza or Palestinians from other units who wish to enter it must also submit a special application for a permit to Israeli authorities. The permits are issued sparingly, can only be obtained through strict arbitrary mechanism or permit regime which lacks transparency and clear rules. Israel treats every permit issued to a Palestinian as an act of grace than of a fulfillment of vested right. In the West Bank, Israel controls the routes between the Palestinian enclaves. This allows the military to set up flying checkpoints, close off access points to villages, roadblocks, and stop passage through checkpoints. Furthermore, Israel built the separation barrier within the West Bank and designated Palestinian land, including farmland, trapped between the barrier and the Greenland as the seam zone. Palestinians in the West Bank are barred from entering the zone subject to the same permit regime. Palestinians in the occupied territory also need Israeli permission to go abroad. And they basically have to go through Jordan to leave because they're not allowed in the Israeli airport, Ben-Gurion International Airport. So they have to have some cooperation from neighboring states. And even there, Israeli controls the access uh, to Egypt and to Jordan where a Palestinian would have to fly out of. That sounds pretty harsh, 
Palestinians are not good enough, the Jews say, to go into their national airport. Hmm. Finally, on apartheid, the Palestinians' right to political participation is pretty much null and void. Um, like inside the PLA, they get to vote and have elections on uh, their rulers. Five million Palestinians who live in the occupied territories cannot participate in the political system that governs their lives and determines their future. Theoretically, most Palestinians are eligible to vote in PA elections. Palestine administrative PA, I've heard that. Yet the PA's power are limited, even if elections were held regularly, but the last one was in 2006. The Israeli regime still controls Palestinian lives that retains major aspect of governance in the occupied territories. This includes control over immigration, the population registry, planning and land policies, water, communication infrastructure, import and export, and military control over land, sea, and airspace. In East Jerusalem, Palestinians are caught between a rock and a hard place. As permanent residents of Israel, they can vote in municipal elections, but not for parliament. On the other hand, Israeli makes it difficult for them to participate in PA elections. Israeli also denies Palestinian political rights, such as freedom of speech and freedom of association. These rights enable individuals to critique regimes, protest policies, form associations, and advance their ideas, and generally work to promote social and political change. That's just saying, if you can't have any free speech and you can't associate, it's hard to advocate for yourself. There's a legislation called the Boycott Law and the Knock law which limits Israelis rights to criticize policies relating to the Palestinians hmm start revoking the rights of one group and it kind of starts bleeding over doesn't it Palestinians in the occupied territories face even harsher restrictions. They are not allowed to demonstrate. Many associations have been banned, and almost any political statement is considered incitement. These restrictions are assiduously enforced by military courts, which have imprisoned hundreds of thousands of Palestinians and are a key mechanism for upholding the occupation. In East Jerusalem, Israel works to prevent any social, cultural, or political activity associated in any way with the PA. And here's a little paragraph that has mostly kind of comparing the Israeli apartheid to African. 
a regime that uses laws, practices, and organized violence to cement the supremacy of one group over another is an apartheid regime. Israeli apartheid, which promotes the supremacy of Jews over Palestinians, was not born in one day or of a single speech. It is a process that has gradually grown more institutionalized and explicit with mechanism introduced over time and law and practice to promote Jewish supremacy. These accumulated measures, their pervasiveness in leg legislation and political practice, and the public and judicial support they receive, all form the basis for our conclusions that a bar for labeling, labeling Israel's regime as apartheid has been set. In Israeli regime's rationale and the measures used to implement it are reminiscent of the South African regime that sought to preserve the supremacy of white citizens, in part through the partitioning the population into classes and subclasses and ascribing different rights to each. There are, of course, differences between the regime. For instance, the division in South Africa is based on race and skin color, while in Israel it is based on nationality and ethnicity. Apartheid has long been an independent term entrenched in international conventions referring to a regime's organizing principle, systematically promoting the dominance of one group over another and working to cement it. I'm going to stop for a second and tell a little story. Uh, I was my late wife. I believe we were living in South Carolina, late 1980s, maybe early 1990s. And we we're going to a play at the Peace Center. And I said, what's the night's play about? And she said, apartheid. And I didn't know what apartheid was. And I said, what's it about? And she said, well, there's this, it's a one-man show. And I go, one man? We're going to a play with one man? Wow. It was about a guy that wanted, in a, under apartheid, wanted to go to another area, but he didn't have permission of the state, the South African state. And so he took the ID out of a man that got killed that he found on the side of the road that had the right paperwork, the right sticker on his ID card to work in the area that he wanted to go work in so that uh, he could get married and have a family. And, and he learns to, and it's mostly him talking out loud to himself as he travels on this journey and you hear about the dialogue in his head. And he fights with this idea that he has to give up who he is and his name and pretend to be this other person so that he can live the life he wants to live. That play was so well done. I'm not sure I've ever bawled more. When I got through seeing that play, 
I knew what apartheid was and what it meant to someone to have someone else control your life. I got it. When I listen to this about the Jewish laws, either this paper is completely BS and there's no truth to it, but if these things are true about different levels of citizenship and residency and uh, controlling movement and lack of freedom of speech, etc. And there's a lot more of this article I just quit reading here. Because um, it frankly gets me too upset. The last paragraph on this is fighting for a future based on human rights, liberty and justice is especially crucial now. There are various political paths to a just future here, meaning in Israel, between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. But all of us must first choose to say no to apartheid. In other words, we have to say that what's set up right now really sucks. And it's been in place more than 50 years. It's not temporary. And it's becoming more severe and more unfair every year. It's not moving in the right direction. The Jews are a huge lobbying force in the United States. And a lot of our politicians are elected thanks to Jewish lobbyists and Jewish money. Um, this is enough to me that if, um, and they push, you know, for military support of Israel. I'm, I'm not necessarily against that, but I am against supporting a regime that practices apartheid and not put some strings on that relationship that requires them to unravel this and let these people either be a citizen, a full citizen of Israel with no distinctions on rights or have their own government. But in any case, they need self-determination and they need the right to vote and determine their future and be a democracy or there can be some other government. It's not really our place to decide, but that'd be a nice outcome. And it's not okay as if you're a Democrat or a Republican and you support the Jewish lobby and the Jews over the Palestinians. It's not okay. And it seriously makes me question the principles that the Democratic Party because uh, I'm more Democratic than I am Republican at the moment. Although there's... I used to identify with a lot of the Republican values and Libertarian before Trump came along, but now there's no... That party doesn't seem to exist anymore that I can tell. There's not very few souls that are brave enough to exist outside of the control of Trump. Anyway, this is about apartheid in Israel. And if you care about human rights, I suggest that 
you try to find out more for yourself and form your own, own opinions and look at the laws. I don't think the long history of how the hell we got here will do anything but give you a Hatfield and McCoy's feud situation on who did what to whom, which is not relevant. What's relevant is the current laws and the current rights of the Palestinians. Do they have any? Are the Palestinians able to set their own destiny? Or is everything controlled by the Israelis? And if you're all right with that, then we've just got different values because it's not okay with me. The ancient Texan here hopes you'll think about this And then spend your political time and money in a direction that tries to make this situation, apartheid in Israel, come to an end. Hope you have a good day and hope you'll think about your values. Namaste. Yo, this is the ancient Texan, an earthling, hoping we all can learn to live and play well together on this small and delicate planet we call home. May we all honor the sacred in our fellow inhabitants. Namaste. Namaste.